to the Roma Press Podcast with John Solano. Hello again. Welcome back to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I'm Roma Press editor John Solano. So the international break is slowly but surely ending. I don't know about you guys, but international football to me is just so boring and blah. Um, obviously, being from, from Italy, I, I support the Itsuri. But <laughs> I've tweeted this a couple times. Um, maybe some of you feel this way about your national team, whether it's the Azzurri, the, uh, you know, another team throughout Europe, South America, North America, wherever you're from. I don't know what it is. This Italy team, I have never felt more disconnected and disinterested in an Italian national team, I think, in my entire lifetime. These last three to five years with the Italian national team, for me, have just been so boring. There's no players that you feel really connected to. The managers are just extremely unlikable, aside from Conte. What he did at the Euro, I thought, was fantastic. But uh, Prandelli, uh, Ventura, right now with Mancini, just extremely unlikable, difficult to watch. There's no philosophy of football in place. Obviously, with Mancini, it's it's a lot different. He's new. But with Ventura, it was just some of the most terrible, boring, and frankly, ineffective football that I've ever seen the Atsuri play. And really, even from the 2014 World Cup to now, I've just been extremely disinterested in the Italian national team. It's boring to watch. The level of international football, frankly for me, is just so much lower than club football. It's almost embarrassing the way it's handled. And frankly, with the way the next World Cup is going to be played in the winter, I couldn't care less about the World Cup or just international football in general at the moment. So anytime there's an international break, it's not for me to observe or watch international football. It's merely to see what Roma or other Italian clubs are doing at the moment, just to you know, prepare for the for the extra week of training they have. So I'm I'm so glad this international break is over. Again, I just cannot stand international football. And now we get back to Roma, who, if you can remember that far back, coming off a pretty poor result against Milan. And this is where the calendar for them really starts to heat up. So I wanted to bring on my good friend Manuel Veth, who, if you want to talk about just footballing minds, he is one of the most intelligent football journalists that I know. I've had the pleasure of knowing him for quite a few years now, and he's been on the podcast previously. And uh, Manuel is the editor of footballgrad.com. You can find them on Twitter at footballgradlive. And he is extremely, extremely knowledgeable in European and also Eastern European football. So anytime it comes to a league that I am frankly just not familiar with, he's the man I go to. So we're going to have him on because I wanted to discuss with him 
the Champions League, and in particular Roma. Manuel is extremely familiar with the Russian League, as well as Victoria Pilsen. So um, wanted to discuss with him CSK Moscow, who obviously were drawn in Roma's group, and wanted to get a little bit of a breakdown from him as to how he thinks they could fare in the group, along with Roma, Real Madrid, and get his take on what sort of threat the Jadarossi potentially face in them. So I'm not going to ramble on any further. I'm going to bring him on now. You can find him on Twitter at Manuel Veth. That's M-A-N-U-E-L-V-E-T-H. And again, his website, footballgrad.com and on Twitter at footballgradlive. So without any further ado, here's Manuel. And with me now is Manuel Veth. Again, you can find him at Manuel Veth on Twitter and footballgrad.com. Manuel, how are you? I'm doing all right. How about you, John? I, I'm doing great. So first off, I, I have to say this, and I told you this in our messages. I feel like I'm a little bit of a jet setter. I go back to Italy around three to five times a year. But I feel like every time I see you tweet, you are in a new country. Um, it seems like you had a busy summer with the World Cup. How are you doing now? Are you settled down a little bit? Yeah, I'm back on one of my full-time homes. Uh, those who know me <laughs> a little bit better, I'm German-Canadian. I, I spent uh, most of my year between Munich and Germany and uh, Victoria uh, on the Canadian West Coast. So I'm currently on the Canadian West Coast for another couple of weeks, and then I'm heading back to Munich. Um, simple reason is it's Oktoberfest time, and... It's hard not to be over there when it's Oktoberfest time. So, <laughs> uh, of course, of course. Okay, so you're a little bit like me, a little bit over there, and then you come back this way. But yeah, exactly. literally, I feel like every time I see you, you tweet from a new country. It's astonishing, and I'm just <laughs> incredibly impressed by it. So, I wanted to have you on because, a, when it comes to European football, uh, Football Grad is my number one go-to source. You're the man I go to because you are so in tune with all of these leagues that frankly i you know i just don't have the time to pay attention to outside syria so roma drew csk moscow victoria pilsen in the champions league along with madrid so i wanted to have you on to discuss them so very briefly for those who may not be following the russian league too closely what's the current situation of moscow just Based on a simple look at the table, it doesn't look like they're doing great, but correct me if I'm wrong. No, they're in a very big rebuild at the moment, John. I I think that um, those who are familiar, familiar with the situation, they know, of course, that Evgeny Gena, the owner of CSKA Moscow, they built a big stadium, a brand new facility, a beautiful stadium um, at the location of their, um, let's call it ancestral home um, in in Moscow which cost quite a bit, a lot of money and uh, money that because of the, you know, if, if you have been living under a rock because of the difficult situation between the West and Russia, <laughs> um, a lot of owners having, having um, issues with sanctions, etc. cetera. Um, in Guinness case, he's invested money on the Crimean Peninsula. Um, the Crimean Peninsula, of course, was annexed by Russia. The United States and a lot of European countries uh, objected to this. So um, his investments have been partly frozen abroad. abroad. So there's been some issues with that. Um, on top of that, 
CSKA Moscow were a side that has been aging. I mean, we had uh, for a long time the three center backs were Ignacevic and the Beresutsky twins. Um, all three of them retired. They were over 120, almost 120 years old when when they finally retired. The three of them combined, of course. And um, so it's been a bit of a change of the guards. They're bringing in a lot of young players. They have a very young head coach and Viktor Goncharenko, very good head coach. As uh, a coach who I really like. But I think when you when you really look at look at the squad and the players that they brought in, they went from one of the most experienced sides to the third least experienced team in the Russian Premier League. And it's just it's just showing at the start of the season, right? I mean, they're now six games in. They've collected nine points. They're sixth in the table, um, which isn't a great start. Not a terrible start either. I think a lot of people in Russia expected that. But this is very much a team in transition. And I think it's just showing a little bit. That said, I think um, the Russian Premier League is always divided into two halves almost. You have the you have that long part, half of the season, that's before the winter break. And then they only play about 10, 11 games after the winter break. That's, that's the sprint. And teams often look a lot better, especially the bigger clubs look a lot better after that because they get their real season preparation in the winter. You know, the league takes off three months. In the summer, they have often only four to six weeks off right between the two seasons because of right. the long Russian winter. So that's why you're seeing all of this going on. Um, of course, if you're a Roma fan, that's good news, isn't it? Because you're playing them now. Yes, um, it is good news, um, just based on your words. However, um, particularly Italian sides, we've seen this time after time. They really, really struggle with sort of those, uh, those longer journeys to the eastern side of Europe. And Roma were no exception the last time they played Moscow. What do you think it is? Is that is that simply just a traveling reason, or do you think it's the way these Russian sides play that pose this this danger, especially to Italian sides? It seems like year after year, these smaller Eastern European clubs just cause fits for Italian sides. It's a good question. I mean, we saw the same thing with Napoli last year, right? Yes. When they played Shakhtar Donetsk and. Um... Roma played Shakhtar Donetsk after that, and that was a very close tie. I mean, Roma went, went all the way to the semi-final, the Champions League, but if, if they almost went out against Shakhtar Donetsk, it really yes. was only thanks to Alisson. I think it's big. It is, it is, there's a few th- reasons here. Um, I think when you look at this particular tie, this will be this game will be played in November. Um, have fun in Moscow, yeah. November. Um, <laughs> I've covered games in November in Russia. It's cold. <laughs> I, I'm not talking. I, I'm not talking cold. I'm talking really cold. It gets cold. As beautiful as the summers are in Russia, and as hot as they are, if you're playing them now, um, you get the ideal football conditions um, from now till about the end of October, and then within two weeks, it goes from straight beautiful summer weather to winter season there it just goes from summer to winter back very back from winter to summer um it's it's very strange but yeah and i think that's one thing you know because i've been to italy many times you know my my home munich is not very far from the italian border um, in november is still very for the most part and i think that is one big reason it's a long flight um, that doesn't help you either then um i think what you really get is too is um and i find this really fascinating and i have been i've been really watching this for quite some time play very similar football 
John. Um, mm. The Serie A, of course, we, we all know the Catenaccio. It's a stereotype that has has a lot of truth to it, right? Right. Right. Um, they're very, they're very much Italian teams are very disciplined tactically, and as are Russian sides. Russian teams, same with Ukrainian sides. They are tactically some of the best in Europe. You know, that's really something. They don't always have the best players, but then the players all know what they do, what they are supposed to do on the pitch. And when you look at someone like Viktor Goncharenko, who I think is possibly the most tactical, astute coach in Russian football at the moment, every player on that field will know exactly what they're doing. And it's the same with with what we saw with Shakhtar Donetsk last year. Every single player on that on on Shakhtar Donetsk knew exactly what they were supposed to do, right? And that's just the the school of thought there that. Um, there's a lot of investment in coaching and their coaching is very good. And that's, I think, it's kind of when you face yourself a little bit, right? That's right. Um, That causes a lot of problems. Yeah, uh, with Shakhtar, I have to say, um, I watched them against Napoli. Um, the way Fonseca set them up was fantastic. And he absolutely bossed Sarri off the pitch, uh, particularly tactically. I thought they were one of the most organized most attack, uh, tactically adept, um, beautiful attacking-wise. I, I just can't believe at times, um, you know, uh, there's sort of, there's, there seems to be this um, sort of this, uh, with some of the bigger leagues, uh, you know, there tends to be this sort of, uh, we're better than you because we're from Serie A, Ligun, Premier League, we all know how this is. And sometimes these these smaller leagues are looked down upon, but uh, Shakhtar, uh, a goal away from playing Liverpool, and I thought they were fantastic last year. And I completely agree with your assessment. Now, with 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 Roma facing Moscow, what are some? Who are some of the players they're going to have to look out for? Um, I, I saw in the summer a, a player many who follow City are familiar with Abel Hernandez move there, and, mm-hmm. and Aside from him, I, I can't say many will be familiar with with who is on this side. So, who are some players in your mind that Roma might have to keep an eye on? Yeah, I mean they lost um, the the defenders that I mentioned. They lost Golovin, right? He was a big money transfer from CSKA Moscow to uh, Monaco. Um, I believe Juventus were very close in signing him as well. So that's that's four key players gone in one summer. That said, um, CSKA have one of the best um, youth academies. There's a lot of good youth academies at the moment in Russia. Krasnodar, CSKA, uh, Spartak. Um, there's a lot of good young players coming through. And um, CSKA's forward, Fedor Chalov, um, he scored two goals this weekend uh, against Ural. Um, really, really coming to his own, um, getting a lot of playing time. He's definitely one to watch. He's only 20 years old. Um, you mentioned Abel Hernandez. They took a little bit of a gamble on him because he failed his first medical um, in Moscow. <laughs> and then they, they, you know, they were really, they were desperate in getting in players because um, their squad was very thin just a few weeks ago. Um, they, their squad now is only 25 players and that includes a lot of players from the academy. So they, they were really... They're in a very big rebuild at the moment. I mean, the average age is 23.7. It's a very young side. Yeah. There's a lot of good young players in the side. I mean, last year, when, when they were in the early stages of the rebuild, it all started last year. They became very close in the group with uh, Basel and Manchester United to advance out of that group. So, you know, again, Viktor Goncharenko, great coach. 
Um, player that we need to maybe highlight as well is uh, Alan Sagoev. The problem with him is he's maybe possibly the best um, talent Russia has produced in since the fall of the Soviet Union. The problem is he's made out of glass, so we I don't know how much he's going to play because uh, every time we think, okay, this is it, he's he's going to come on his own. He's going he's going to really show the world what a fantastic talent is. He goes down with another injury, and um, which is really too bad because he's a fantastic player. When he is in central midfield, there's there's a huge difference between him not being on the pitch and him being on the pitch. So I um, really hope that. You know, he really his health holds together. He's at the moment he's hurt. So if he plays, definitely one to watch out. Um, curious to see if he's going to be back in November. Um, another young striker, and he's this is someone who made the the Guardian watch list, which you probably are, are um, familiar with, right, John? The every year the Guardian comes yes. out with, um, mm-hmm. I think it's a hundred young players to watch. And uh, Timo Shamaletinov, he was one of the players. Um, that was on that list, I believe, three or four years ago. And uh, finally, last year, he was given some playing time in the first team. And he's he's definitely a striker to watch. Uh, he got a lot of Champions League football last year. And um, together with Fedor Chalov, definitely an interesting player. And then, like every Russian club, they signed um, a bunch of Icelandic players. <laughs> they signed Herder Magnussen um, as a defender. Um Interesting player, and then they signed a left midfielder, um, Arnor Sigurdsson, um, as well. So, both of he them, young. In, he, I, I believe, Magnussen played in City A for some time, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. Um, they signed him, of course, from Bristol City, but right? Yeah, he right. played in Italy before that. So, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a very much a side in transition, but I think. In the long term, this is going to be a side that's going to look very good in Russian football. But the question is, of course, the next two or three months in this Champions League period, um, are these players are going to be able to gel? Oh, I forgot one last player, Mario Fernandes, of course, um, possibly yes. Brazil's best right back at the World Cup. Unfortunately, he played for Russia. <laughs> um, he's definitely one to watch um, as well. Okay, now there's another team in the group, obviously, Victoria Pilsen, and I know you're you're generally familiar with them. So just a very general sense, what Roma and the other clubs have to face in them. I feel like it gets to have, have family background. Some of my family is actually from Pilsen. Uh, it's right across the border from Bavaria, right? Um, we get them... We get to cover them a lot on the Football Grad Network simply because they happen to play against a lot of the teams that we cover. Right, right. Um, I think there was two years in a row where Bayern got them in the Champions League. CSKA Moscow had them in the Champions League in 2013. Um, for that reason alone, I get to see them a lot. They are a side with a lot of history, but um, a club that really has only been successful um, in the 2010s. So they have won five Czech titles, but they only won their first Czech title in 2011. So that really right. shows you this is it's a really recent phenomenon. Um, it's a very well-run club, um, a club that is um, has been able to move ahead of the big spenders in, in Prague. Of course, everyone knows Sparta and Slavia, right? right? right. Uh, anyone who knows Czech football knows those two teams, two teams with a lot of history. They have been really able to um, not outspend them, but just do better work than them. And uh, this is really comes down to just organization. It's a very well-organized club. Now, they're not going to play the most wonderful football that you will ever see. They will not dazzle you. They will not, um, they will not 
not get you excited. Uh, but at the same time, they also just kind of side that when you play them, you're going to be happy if you walk away with a one nil, two nil victory. And this this is this is the kind of results that I see them involved in all the time. They're not going to be world beaters in this group, but at the same time, they're the kind of stumbling block that makes the difference between finishing maybe first, second, or third, right? Because um, they can get two points of you. And I think right. that's really that's really something that you can't really you can't underestimate them because they will play very solid organized football. And um I think that is really something to watch out for when you when you look at Victoria Pilsen. So with that in mind, do you think Moscow they would settle for finishing third in the group? I think it would be a success for them to finish um third in their group. I, I fully expect that Roma and Real Madrid um will finish first or second. I can't tell you which one will be first, which one will be second. I I gather both sides are a little bit in transition as well. Mm. Right. Um I've seen Roma a few times in Serie A um this year simply because uh, I have a subscription package where I can watch lots of Serie A and it's it's a great league to follow. Um and I what I've seen is that I feel that there's a little bit of there's been a changeover. Of course, you lost Allison, right. a playmaking goalkeeper. is It's a big part of the way you play, right? The way he played the ball out of the back, it's kind of the same kind of magnitude of goalkeeper than Mark Andre Ter Stegen or Manuel Neuer. Those goalkeepers make a huge difference in the way you play football, and I think that's that's sort of changed the entire makeup of the team. And then um, you've brought Monchi brought in a whole bunch of young players, um, mm-hmm. very good young players. I mean, signing someone like Justin Kluivert, I think, is a real coup. Um, but I think that all needs to kind of settle, right? So. Um, that's that's a big question mark for me, but I see the same question mark with Real Madrid. Uh, they lost Cristiano Ronaldo, and um, that's a huge part of the way they played. The entire team was set up to basically allow Cristiano Ronaldo to score between three, 30 and 50 goals, and I'm not even exaggerating here. So I, I, it's really hard to say who of the two will finish first or second, but I'm pretty sure that the two will finish first and second because um, I don't think that CSKA and Victoria Pilsen have enough to to unsettle one of the two, but they have enough to be the difference maker between who will finish first and second in the group. Sure. So I, I want to switch gears a little bit um, to to a little bit of an international football. So uh, you mentioned it just a minute ago, um, Roma, they lost Alisson, and they brought in Robin Olsen. And I know you were at the World Cup. You mm-hmm. followed it very closely. It was fantastic coverage. But... I want to get an opinion, more of a uh, an unbiased opinion, we shall say. Robin Olsen has gotten a lot of sticks since arriving, um, mm-hmm. even in his um, home country of Sweden. The press has been very, very difficult on him, especially in this past week. He's received a lot of criticism, so much to the point where he refused to speak to the media. Um, you saw him at the World Cup. What were your thoughts? I thought he performed fairly well. Yeah, but Sweden... Did well, um, right? In general, I, mean, I thought they did well. Yeah, and they f- finished first in in that group with Germany, right? Um, the only game that they lost was because of uh, that Tony Kroos free kick at, right. at Sochi. Right. Um, he played very well in that game against Germany. I, I thought he played well in in all those games. Um, I think, I think there's two things here that you really have to keep in mind. A, he's a very different goalkeeper than Allison. Yes. There is not very many keepers around 
like Allison. I think um, Allison falls into that playmaking goalkeeper category, and I really only know two other goalkeepers that play have that same ability. And I mentioned them already, and that's Ter Stegen and Manuel Neuer, um, that do the same things that Allison does. It's a very, very rare ability to yes. be a goalkeeper that can also play football. Um, to to the extent that those three can do it. Um, Germany is very lucky that they have two of them, right? Um, Brazil have now one in Allison, and um, there's Switzerland with Jan Sommer have one as well, who can do that very well. It's it's a very rare thing, and Olsen is not that kind of goalkeeper, which is okay. I mean, we can't expect every goalkeeper to be like that. We Sometimes right. we throw in keepers and hope that they can do it. I mean, David De Gea, for example, we think he can do it. He, he's, he's not capable of doing it, yet people put him on this pedestal, think that he can. Sometimes you just need a goalkeeper who's good in his box, can catch the ball, um, make good, fantastic saves, and can have a decent contribution, right? Um, not every goalkeeper is going to play 18, 19 yards outside um, from his goal line. It's just not happening. But of course, when you had that guy of goalkeeper playing um, for for Roma and so making such a big impact, you are, you become accustomed to that. And I think it's very very difficult boots to fill. And I think that um, Olsen is is a good goalkeeper, but of course he's not Allison. So, and I think it's very unfair to to um, kind of put him on that level because um, I agree. You, you got 60 million euros for Allison. I doubt you will get that much money for Olsen. So you kind of sometimes get what you pay for. But at the same time, I think he, he is a, he, Roma will just have to change the way they play um, and accept that they now have a goalkeeper that will get the job done. You know, he will save you points simply because he on the line, uh, his reflexes and his, his box control is excellent. So just give him the time. Fair enough. Everybody, footballgrad.com, Manuel. Get get all your get all your plugs in. Where can we find you? Stuff you're writing on. You have a great podcast as well, I have to say, right? Yeah, we have two. We have one on uh, German football where we've been a lot more critical than uh, what I've been saying. Um, just now <laughs> we have a special on the German national team. We actually thought that they, they played okay in the last two in the last two games. Um, as do I. I didn't think they were bad at all. I thought they were very unlucky, in fact. Yeah, I think they should have probably beaten France. But yeah, that's a completely different story. I think they should have also defended their World Cup title with the players that they sent to sure. to uh, Russia. So um, it's not a problem of talent. Um, the issues are much deeper and wider swooping. And if you want to find out more about this, you can head over to at Football Grad Live, where we where I posted the Gegenpressing uh, podcast. That's our German uh, Bundesliga and German football podcast. And then, of course, we do um, a podcast on the post-Soviet space in the Balkans, um, the Football Grad podcast, which comes out once a week as well. So that can also be found at Football Grad Live. And then I write for um, various outlets. I write, of course, for the three pages of the uh, Football Grad Network. That's footballgrad.com, foosbosch.com, and then occasionally footballcidage.com. And then I'm also the Vancouver Whitecaps correspondent and I'm North Americans Abroad correspondent for prosoccerusa.com. Um, there you go, everyone. Make sure you check him out again. He's one of the most knowledgeable people that I follow on Twitter, and it's just astonishing what this guy has in his mind. Um, Manuel, thank you so much. Can't, well, thank you for having can't me. Can't thank you again. enough. I, I love doing this. Thank you. 
<laughs> well, I always love coming on and uh, anytime. Absolutely. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Manuel again. One of the most knowledgeable people that I follow on Twitter. He's a brilliant mind when it comes to football, other leagues, tactics. It was great to have him on, and we'll be sure to have him on again uh, when the Roma ultimately face uh, Moscow on the Champions League as well as Pilsen. So thank you again to him. Another great interview. Also have to mention our wonderful patrons on Patreon.com. Thank you to all of you who make this possible. If you're interested in becoming a patron of the Roma Press podcast and you are able to, go to the support tab on romapress.us. You can see how you can become a sponsor of the website and of the podcast. And again, this is all possible because of you guys, and I thank you so much. Or you can go to patreon.com slash romapress directly. Sign up there to become a patron, again, of the podcast and of the website. And I also have to thank our good friends at Euro Fantasy League, as you all know. They've been sponsors of this podcast for quite some time now. They've been big supporters, so I have to give them a shout. Again, the football season is in full swing. Make sure you give them a look, guys. If you play fantasy football, honestly, they're one of the best websites. In terms of statistics, the most up-to-date scoring, the easiest scoring, the best gameplay, they're the absolute best. If you want to challenge your friends in multi-league games, La Liga games, Serie A games, Make sure you give them a look at Cydia-Fantasy.com. So we will have a preview of the upcoming match against Kievo this weekend where Roma will face the Venetian side at the Olimpico. Hopefully we can come with a much we can come away with a much better result than what we saw against Milan. So thank you again for listening, everyone, and until next time, ciao.